Are you ready for the word? Praise God. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this precious morning. We are so blessed. We are honored to have this opportunity to come together to study your word and to fellowship with you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you said in your word that whenever two or more of us come together, you are also there in Jesus' mighty name. So we welcome you in this meeting, and we thank you for giving us a great time so far. And we are so expectant of your word to do a work in our hearts. I make it known as well that I'm not trusting or depending on my limited human abilities to minister to these your people. But I'm trusting on you, Holy Spirit, because you are the most qualified teacher. Therefore, I submit myself to you that you may speak through my mouth to every heart, removing fear, removing confusion. And I thank you, Lord, that your word will flow accurately with power and authority, undistracted by any demonic force in Jesus' mighty name. We will be careful to give you alone the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that will be revealed and accomplished through your word in this morning service in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. So you think that sound is coming from me? Really? From my back? God is good. Come on, turn to someone and say, I'm ready to receive the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, we are wrapping up our topic on when we pray. Amen. We've been talking about prayer. Uh, last week, we did not really go much in my notes. We did an act here on the pulpit. Uh, we discovered that we've got some great actors here in the church. Amen. So, uh, the Lord just took us a different direction, but it was great. Amen. So we're going to wrap up this teaching on uh, prayer today, on prayer. Now let's open our theme scripture, which is in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, and let's look at verse 5 quickly. Matthew 6 verse 5. The Bible says, when we pray, it went off, or there it is again. When we pray, um, and then when you go to verse number, um, what is it? Where is it here? And verse number three says, when you give, and verse number five says, when you pray, and verse 16 says, when you fast. Amen? So, uh, he says here, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. So, we did a good work to find out what the hypocrites do. And we discovered that uh, the Bible says they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. So they love to do their prayers in public places so that they may be seen by others. So that is their motive. And it says here that uh, they do that, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So... Their reward is to be seen because that's why they were praying in the first place. Amen? And that is the only reward 
they will ever get. Amen? So we're learning from the scripture that um, when we pray, our motives should be right, but we should not pray to seek praises from men, attention from men. Um, we do not pray to look holy or to give other people impression that we are very deep and very spiritual so that they can actually uh, give us compliments. So we don't do that. We're not seeking for compliments. We're not seeking for appreciation. We're not seeking for recognition. We're not seeking for praises, but we're praying because God has instructed us to pray. Amen, family? Amen. Now, um, verse 7, let's go to verse number 7. Uh, verse number 7 says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, it says don't use vain repetitions. So don't keep on repeating yourself, saying the same thing over and over again. Now, what kind of person do you think will do something like this? Will, will, will use uh, uh, um, words over and over again? Is someone who does not know what to pray for, right? Someone who does not know what to pray for, they will keep on saying the same thing over and over again. But the Bible gives us a solution to that. Uh, and the, the Bible talks about what to do when you don't know how to pray. Let's go to Romans 8, 26, and let's find out what the Bible says we should do when we don't know what to pray for. When we don't know what to pray for in Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. It says here, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession. Say this to me. Say, when I do not know what to pray for, I must pray in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows what to pray for. Amen? Let's say it again. If I do not know what to pray for, I must pray in tongues and allow Holy Spirit to pray through me because He knows what to pray for. Okay, let's put it this way. Because he always knows what to pray for. Is that true? Tell the person next to you, say, Holy Spirit always knows what to pray for. Say, you don't, you don't always know what to pray for. But Holy Spirit always knows what to pray for. So if I were you, tell them, if I were you, I will pray more with the Holy Spirit than with my mind. You get it? Ask them, you get it? Are you, you get it? Tell them again, pray more in tongues than in your language. You get it? What are they saying? Oh, they're not responding. Maybe they're not hearing you. Tell them, say, say, hey neighbor, it's very important that when you pray, you do more of praying in tongues. What I mean is that you must pray more in the spirit than in your language. You get it? What are they saying? 
They're getting it. All right. Otherwise, we're going to repeat it, all right? Amen, family? Because when we pray in a language, you know where we're praying from. We're praying from our emotions. We're praying from our mind. We may be praying from anger. We may be praying from frustration. We may be praying from a challenge. Are you with me? So when we pray from all those things that I mentioned, in most cases, we will be out of line with the Word of God. In most cases, we won't pray as God would have us pray. But when we pray in the Spirit, we are not praying from our mind. We are not praying from our emotions. We are not praying from what we are going through. We are not praying from our challenges, our frustrations, our stresses. We are praying from our spirit by the help of the Holy Spirit who knows all things. Amen? So, if you want to accurately pray for your child, you pray in the Holy Ghost. If you want to accurately pray for your marriage, you pray for the Holy Ghost. If you want to accurately pray for your finances, you pray in tongues. If you want to accurately pray for whatever it is, pray in the Spirit. So how do you do that? Very simple. You go something like this. Father, I want to pray for my marriage. I know the devil hates marriage. I know there's a lot of divorces going around in our, in our world. So I pray, my God, in Jesus' name, that my marriage will not experience all of those. I pray for your will in my marriage, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me pray in Jesus' name. And I can go for hours. Now, this is a heavenly prayer language. And the Bible says when I pray like this, I'm not praying from my mind. Give me 1 Corinthians 14.2. He says when I pray like this, I am not praying from my mind. He says I am praying by the Spirit. Amen. Look at this. For he who prays in the tongue does not speak to man, but to God. For no one understands him. No one understands what I'm saying. What did I just say? You don't know. I also don't know. So, how can you speak a language that you don't know? Ask God. Amen? I don't have to understand anything about this thing. I just have to believe. God says if I pray like this, I'm praying the perfect prayer. So my business with God is not understanding. My business with God is obedience. I obey whether I understand or not. Sometimes God will tell you to do things that you don't understand. Why? I don't care about understanding. I just obey because he's my father. I'm the child. I obey. Obey, Obedience without question. 
Today we're living in the world whereby even children, they want to question parents. My daughter, when she does not understand what I'm saying, she rolls her eyes. She rolled her eyes this morning towards me. What did I say to her? What did I say to her? Oh, I closed the door. I thought, I thought she was already outside. So I closed the door and I was about to lock the door and my wife said, no, Taylor's still inside. So she comes out offended that I was about to close her in, lock her in. And then she gives me a look and I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? She says, because it was not nice. I said, I'm not your friend. I'm not here to be nice to you. Go tell your, par- your, go tell your friends to be nice. Huh? Stan, is it still my behind that's doing that? I said, I'm not your friend. I'm not here to be nice. I'm here to parent. To parent. And that's how we are. We want God to be nice. God is not here to be nice to us. God is here to direct us, instruct us, and we should obey. Amen? Sometimes God's instructions are not nice. Because sometimes he will tell me to be kind to my wife, and my wife refused to massage me last night. She did. It's not an example. She did. I asked her. She said she was tired. She says she also wants a massage. I'm like, ah, but that's not fair. You can't be wanting it when I want it. You must want it at your own time. This time is mine. I'm the one who wants it. Have you ever been with someone when you want to tell them what you're not happy with? When you guys are talking, you say, I just want to tell you that you know, I'm not happy with what you did. Oh, by the way, I'm also not happy with what you did. I mean, that's not fair. Find your own time to tell me what you're not happy with. Don't, don't, don't answer me. Are you, are you getting what I mean? So, so, so don't do that in marriage, amen? Please, someone tell my wife, say, don't do that to my pastor. Ah, Lamutaba! 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 Eh, 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 eh. Lamutaba! Lamutaba, palana, lamamin. Amen. Praise God. Um, where were we? So, we pray by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows what we should pray for. The Holy Spirit knows what we should pray for. And you might notice that we talk a lot about this in this church. You know why? Because I believe God realizes that my people still don't get it. My people still don't get it. Never rush for new revelations if you're still struggling on obeying the ones that you know. You know, we always want deep word, but the simple one, you are still not doing it. Hello? Ah, God, I've been hearing about praying in tongues. I've been hearing about faith. I want something deep. Have you mastered the ones that you've been hearing about? No. So when you don't yet master what God is trying to say, God will continue repeating it until we get it. Are we together? Now, I want to give you four reasons Jesus was in the habit of isolating himself to pray. Four reasons. There's more. I'm going to give you four, all right? Why Jesus was in the habit of isolating himself 
to pray. Are we together? By the way, that song that you guys sing, where do you get that from? Is that song very, very like that, or really? Like the, 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 the singer talks too much like you are talking too much. Now, I loved it. I loved it, you know. Like they're preaching in the song. They do it like that. I think you're doing it better. I think you're doing it better. Than, oh, I think the problem is here. Where Pastor Makota was, that's where the problem is. So, I think you're doing it better than the, the singer. Mm-hmm. All right. Four reasons why Jesus was in the habit of praying and isolating himself from everybody to go and pray. All right? Reason number one. Jesus was in the habit of prayer to prepare for a major task. Say, to prepare. I can't hear you. To prepare for a major task. Family, we will never succeed in any spiritual task without prayer. We will never make an impact spiritually if whatever that we are doing that is of the Spirit without prayer. It will require you to be spiritually disciplined. To be spiritually what? Disciplined. We have to be spiritually Disciplined. And prayer takes some discipline. It's not something that we should choose when and when not to do it. It's supposed to be a habit. Please do something with that thing. It's really, really getting to me. Amen, family? Otherwise, we will never succeed. You have to understand that there is always war in the spirit. The devil is always fighting. He says I must continue. Imagine now. Hmm? Can you continue? Bamba bamba. My wife is here. I've got my own, sir. Do you have a ring? That's the problem. Someone is feeling for him. Like, my God, I'm just joking. So I like making jokes. Are we good now? Okay. Better be. All right. Where were we? All right. We were saying that we will never succeed in any spiritual task without prayer. The present worship team, there will never be effective as they wish to be if they don't pray. If they don't pray. So the things of God are empowered by prayer. The things of God receive strength. They receive power from what we call what? Prayer. I will never be effective in what I'm doing without prayer. And the more I pray, the more effective I become. The less I pray, the less effective I become. Are you with me? So if I really want to be more effective, I must do what? Pray more. 
Say this to me. Say, the more I pray, the more effective I become. We will never defeat the devil and his demons without prayer. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, meaning they are not fleshy. But they are mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, they are spiritual. Our weapons are spiritual. Prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon that you use to overcome spiritual battles. Without prayer, you are already defeated. Forget about the war. Hello? The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our war is not physical. Our war is not with flesh and blood. Our war is spiritual. Say this to me. Say, people are not my problem. I don't, have, I don't have issues with people. As a believer, you should never have issues with people. Not at all. Our issue, our issues are with spirits that are behind the people. Jesus said to Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. Yet Jesus walked with Peter. He was one of his disciples. But there came a time where Peter spoke, not from the influence of Jesus, but from the influence of the devil. And he rebuked him. He said, in other words, he was saying, devil, I recognize you using my disciple. I recognize you. There are some times I recognize some devils in my sheep. And I be like, I just want to pay to Satan. Are you with me? And then Jesus said, but don't worry. I prayed. Must I take out this mic? Can I use another mic? Will that help? Will that help? Good answer, yes or no? How? Is it difficult to say that? Thank you. I'll take this one out. All right. Now, this one is for preachers. One when they preach and they speak loud and then and they shout and everything. They like this kind of mics. Now I'm not a preacher, I'm a teacher. So when I teach, sometimes you know I just talk and everything. Is that what TD Jake Simul? Get ready, get ready, get ready. The Lord is about to come upon you in the name of Jesus. I see the Lord. He's about to shower you with his blessings. Somebody say, yeah. Say, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. I love it. It refreshes me because... I can't do that. Are you having a good time in the church? Say, yeah. Are you having a good time? Say, Holy Ghost! (laughs) All right. Well, let's get back to teaching. Where are we? Our issues are spiritual. 
Amen? And we overcome by prayer. Go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place of, called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. That word watch can also, mean, can also be translated as, as prayer. So Jesus was aware of this task that he was about to embark. He was, he was aware of what's about to happen. And he knew. And what was about to happen? He was, a, he was about to go on the cross. Amen? So he knew that, listen, I will not be able to do this without prayer. So he took his disciples... And he went to go and pray. And then he even asked them, he said, please pray with me. Are you with me? What did we say? Jesus prayed to pray for a major task. Prayer gives us power also to overcome temptation. Remember, the devil will always come against you. The devil will always attack you. Now, if we are not strong in prayer, we will be weak in temptation. Look at verse 41 in the same chapter. Verse 41. What is he saying? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray unless you enter into what? Temptation. In other words, when we pray, we will not enter into temptation. As simple as that. If you have an area of weakness in your life, prayer is a solution. If you're always tempted on the same area, prayer is your solution. If you always get defeated by the devil in an area... Your solution is prayer. If you are short-tempered, prayer. If you are easily offended, prayer. If you struggle to forgive, prayer. If you're stingy, pray, pray, yeah, pray so that you can give. Amen? Father, I pray that with this 50 rand, I come against the spirit of Bongame. Are you with me, family? I mean, did you hear how the little, the little girl, the little Makotre, she said, I want to give 30%. I, I, was, I, I was moved by that myself. I was like, I'm going to go to the man. How? She's giving more than what's expected. In her little 
nyana brains. She's got an understanding that most of us we lack. She has tapped into an understanding that God is still struggling to convince us of. This can quatel. Here's what I wrote. The reason why we may be struggling from demonic oppression is because of a lack of prayer. You will never defeat demons without prayer. Hmm? Prayer gives us the ability to what? Overcome demonic forces. Demonic forces. I used to, I used to attend a prayer meeting back in the days. Uh, the pastor used to cast out demons a lot, you know. People used to, you know, manifest and they will roll over the floor. They will vomit. They will do all sorts of things. And every week, people will manifest and demons will come out. And now I started getting worried. Why are these people, they manifesting, but nah, this nothing never happens to me. Now, why don't I roll on the floor? Why don't I manifest? Why, why is he not casting out demons? Maybe Because I got to a point whereby I started to believe that no, everybody is manifesting. Everybody's got demons. And now my concern was, but they are manifesting. Now I'm not manifesting. That means my demons are very stubborn. They don't want to come out. Maybe it's those kind of things. This one does not come except by praying and fasting. So I was very concerned. And then I realized it's because prayer, I was very strong in prayer. Very strong in prayer. In fact, I think I was more strong in prayer back then than I am now. I miss that me. When I bring them back. Amen? Because when you are constantly in prayer, listen to this, you are constantly in his presence. And when you are constantly in his presence, there's no demon that will want to be by your side. Because the presence of God is power. So when you are always in prayer, you are always in power. So why, how would they be able to come close to the power of God? They can't. They can't. Stay in prayer and stay in power. Number two, the second reason why Jesus was in the habit of isolating himself to go and pray was to recharge after work. To recharge after work. Go with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And let's start reading from verse 30. Mark 6, 30 to 32. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had, they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Jesus sent the 12 disciples to do ministry. And when they returned, he encouraged them 
to isolate themselves from the people that were following them to go and pray. Pray. Now, that resting is in two ways. It's resting valid the way we rest, but it's also resting in God. When we rest in, in God, we're resting in His presence. And that takes prayer. Are you with me? The Bible says, uh, 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 David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do that? By praying. By praying. So sometimes when you feel troubled, and you're feeling down, and, and issues of your life, they're just overwhelming when you think about them, just go into the presence of God and just pray. Go into the presence of God and just pray in the Spirit. No, but you know what we do? We worry a lot. We worry a lot. We think about these things. We meditate on this thing. And they make us feel even worse. Or we'll go into our cell phones. We start scrolling on Facebook, on social media. As if we will get some sort of refreshing from the phone. Hello? As if the phone will bring some refreshing to our hearts, to our spirits. Let's get into the presence of God, family. That's where all the refreshing is. Jesus needed them to rest so that they may be fit and fresh to do more work. So he encouraged them to take some time to rest. Are you with me? Many times on a Sunday after I preach, when I get home, I take some time, but I don't do the resting in the presence of God. I do the resting in the presence of my wife. Because I need some rest. I need to have just offloaded. So I need to recharge. My wife is a way of recharging me, which you don't need to know of. But come Saturday, we'll tell you about those things. Amen? Someone said, why was the never telling you so? It's because a lot on the pulpit. So the more they hear about it, the more they desire it. It's a good thing. There's many scriptures in the Bible that encourage marriage. Amen? Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is not about marriage. We're continuing. Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden." He says, "And I will give you what rest." He says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He says, come to me, all of you, who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me. He says, come to me because I will recharge you. I will refresh you. I will give you rest. You know, God is able to give you rest more than 
anyone else. There are times whereby, you know, I've seen myself being so busy with the things of God. Maybe let's say a Saturday you sleep in the early hours of the morning on a Sunday and you know you're supposed to be preaching. And you feel like, Lord, I need some rest and I don't have enough time to rest until I go to a church service. And, you, and I sleep around three hours or four hours, but I just pray, Father, just help me rest. And when I wake up, I wake up after four or three hours, and I feel like I've been sleeping more than, I don't know, ten hours or so, or seven hours. What's the best? How many hours must a person sleep? Eight hours. Amen? Eight hours. So God can refresh you. God can refresh you. Number three. The number three reason why Jesus is in the habit of praying to deal with grief. To deal with grief. Now, we're going to read something very long in the book of Matthew 14. When I read from verse 1 to 14. It says here, at the time, Herod the Tetris had the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist, he is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of of Herod, Herodias, his brother, his brother, Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they, they, they counted him as a prophet. But when, when Herod's birthday was celebrated, when Herod's day was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths, and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. What, did you, what, do, what do you think he went to go do? Why did he go and pray? For comfort, right? Because he was grieving, right? So this is how Jesus dealt with pain. He went into the presence of God. But this is not what really blessed me when I read this story. 
what blessed me when I read this story is that Jesus, who is troubled after hearing about the news, he went to a separate place to go pray, to go deal with this pain. Check what he did straight after. Straight after. Verse 13 again. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion and started healing the sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. It's so amazing that Jesus is in pain, he's grieving for John, and his disciples, even in the state, are still coming to him for solutions. They're not even giving him a break to say, Jesus, we know that John was so dear to your heart. We know what you're going through right now. We're not going to bother you. We're going to give you your space. Uh Uh-uh. They still went to him for solutions. Say, when you work for God, what you go through is not an excuse to stop the work. I went to bury my, my aunt on a Saturday. Sunday I was here preaching and building up the children of God. It's no time for grief. In fact, in the Old Testament, they were given seven days. Am I right, sir? Seven days to grieve, to mourn. Seven days for mourning. And after seven days, if you continue mourning, you are now in sin. And there are times in the Bible where God asks his servants, how long will you moan? When are you going to stop moaning? Because people love moaning. I don't know whether we think moaning is spiritual. No, moaning is not spiritual. Because mourning holds you back. Mourning depresses you. Mourning suppresses you. Mourning makes you aware of the darkness that God don't want you to see. Mourning makes you hopeless. Mourning makes you complain. It's not godly to moan. Yes, there's a time for grieving, but let it come to an end as soon as possible. Don't mourn forever. It's as if we think that when we moan, we're demonstrating that we love the people that we're mourning about more. And it's as if when you don't moan, it means you did not, let's say you lost a loved one. Or let's say you lost... A parent. When you don't moan, like they will look at you at the funeral crying, crying, like, wow, 
he really loved the parent. But my question is, are tears really a demonstration of love? I don't know. But it's as if God is insensitive to rush people in their mourning. Some of our cultures, they want women to mourn for a whole year wearing black. Stay in the room. Wear black clothes if you've lost their husband or something like that. I always wondered, why don't husbands do the same? When your wife dies, why don't you stay in black clothes in your room for a year too? Those things are not godly. So you have to be, stay in your room with depression. Always remembering why you are in the room alone in the dark when people are leaving. So you have to always think about what's, what, what you're going through the whole year. That is not the God I serve. Are you with me? I told my wife, if I die, my baby, two months is enough. Put it this long. Okay, let me finish. Let me pass there because it looks like you don't like what I'm talking about. I, I, I feel like I'm stepping on some toes. It's in Because now I'm going Amen? <laughs> Number four, which is the last one. Am I still on time? All right. Number four. Why did Jesus isolate himself to go and pray? And I wrote here, before making an important decision, Pray. Jesus prayed before making an important decision. Go to Luke 12. Luke 6, verse 12. Luke 6, verse 12. Where is Pastor Lezani? Is he still here? Is he gone? Luke 6, verse 12. We're having a conversation in the office, so I was hoping he would be here to listen to this. Luke 6, verse 12, right? We're going to read 12 to 14. Now, it came to, it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. And you can read their names from verse 14. So before he chose the twelve, he went out and prayed, and the Bible says he continued praying, and he prayed all night. Because he was about to choose his representatives, twelve of them. 
And he knew that he needed to pray before doing that. He needed to pray. So if Jesus needed to pray before making a decision, how much more you and I? Listen, you can trust the direction of your heart when you are seriously prayed up. When you are seriously prayed up. Listen, seriously prayed up. Where your heart leads you, when you are seriously prayed up, you can trust that direction. So it's very important to spend some time in prayer and continue to pray and pray before making an important decision. Take some time to fast and pray when about to make an important decision. The more we pray, the more sensitive we become to the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When we're not prayed up, we won't even hear the Holy Spirit leading us. When we're not prayed up. When we are not prayed up, we are not sensitive to the things of the Spirit. When we are not prayed up, we are distant from God. Prayer brings you closer to God. Prayer keeps you in fellowship with God. Prayer keeps you mindful of God. Prayer keeps you desiring God. Hello? If you feel like you are far away from God, it's because of a lack of prayer. Pray a little bit and get closer. Pray a little bit and get closer. What's the scripture in James that talks about come closer to me? What does it say in James? And yeah? Draw near to me. Where is it? James what? Draw near to me. And he says, and I will draw near to you. How do we draw near to God? Prayer. Say this to me. Say prayer brings me closer to God. The more I pray, the closer I become. Say, James. James 4.8. Put James 4.8 in, in, on the screen, please. James 4.8. Right before that, 7 talks about resisting the devil. Isn't that interesting? Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Who does the drawing first? Drawing how? Or let's say, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Who does the coming first? Say, I do. Say, say my drawing near determines God's drawing near. If I draw with one step, God draws with one step. Hello? It's like the prodigal son. Remember when the prodigal son, he went away and then he wasted his father's riches and stuff like that, his inheritance. And the Bible says his father was always looking at the direction in which he left with an expectation of his son's return. Remember? And the Bible says, and one day he saw his son coming from afar. And, and when he saw the son coming from afar, he said the father stood up and began to run towards him. 
But the, the father did not just go out and go look for the son. Uh-uh. The son had to be coming. Amen? The son had to be coming. And when he saw the son, let me tell you, when God sees you pushing in his presence, pushing in his presence, consistently pushing in his presence, God will answer you by pushing back to come towards you. And he will knock down every obstacle, every challenge, just to get to you. Amen? Now look at the scripture before that. Give me verse 7. Verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's interesting that after he's saying, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, then verse 8 says, draw near to God. So, I don't know if I'll be wrong to say that we resist the devil by drawing near to God. I'm not wrong. The closer I am to God, the more powerful I am in resisting the devil. The further I am from God, the powerless I become in resisting the devil. You know why the devil keeps on knocking you left, right, and center, and jalo when your color is the devil? You don't pray. You're very weak. You know why you always get offended? Everything makes you angry, Jay. You are very weak. You need to be strong in prayer, strong in character. God can't use you if you're weak because people are going to offend you. In ministry, you will get offended. People will make you upset. People will offend you. But if you lose it, you are not fit for the master's use. Are you with me? God will test you before he trusts you. And he will watch how you deal with conflict. They're gossiping about me. You failed. You, you have, right there you have failed. The Bible says pray for those that attack you. So God will watch how you deal with offense. How you deal with gossipers. There are people that I smile with all the time. They don't know they, uh, that I know about the gossip that they've been gossiping about me. Because I, I, I'm not a fighter of gossip. Uh -uh. I'm not a fighter of gossip. I've got no time for gossip. In fact, gossip, it gives me power somehow. It gives me power to go continue doing something for them to gossip about. If I stop working, don't stop gossiping. So if they're gossiping about you, that means there's something that you're doing that they're noticing. Keep on working so they can notice and continue to talk. How? Don't be moved by gossip. Don't be moved by hatred. Don't get easily angered. Uh-uh. Don't. Don't get easily offended. No. Don't. Overcome those things. Overcome those things. Overcome offense. Overcome anger. Overcome unforgiveness. Overcome those things. You can't always be defeated by the devil with offense and unforgiveness and anger and irritation. No. Overcome those things. 
If the devil has to come my way, he must come in a different way. Not the same way he attacked me last year. No, I refuse. Amen? Overcome crying when you don't have money. He'll stop taking your money. Because he realized that I was, whether he's got money or he does not have money, he's still happy. Whether I take away her money or I don't, she's still, she's still rejoicing in the Lord. So this trick does not work. Let me try another one. And he'll leave you and your money in peace. But when I'm going to continue. He will never leave you. You know one of the ways to overcome the challenge of money? Give it away. Become a giver. Become a giver. Giving is like hitting the devil right on his face. Amen, family? Are you getting something today? Okay. few last points quickly. Now, this is going to make us spend too much time. Let me stop here. Praise God. God is good. Amen? Praise God.